This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? Kind of cool, feels good. Might rain this weekend, which uh, my collars are going to need. But uh, it's okay, folks. Whatever the weather brings, we're going to be talking about gardening. We're going to be talking about it no matter what. And it is a good time of year to enjoy, to relax, to think, to feel, to kick some leaves, to just, you know, knock around the yard. Think about what you might want to do next year. But there are some things you can actually do in the garden, and we're going to talk about those if that's what's on your mind. Hi, y'all. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. This is the Gestalt Gardener from Mississippi Public Broadcasting. For the next hour, we're just going to talk about whatever's on your gardening mind. I got some stuff. I could talk for 45 minutes about a pencil. Got some lines wide open, and that's what we're here for, me and Jay White. Uh, Java still, he got the COVID and flu at the same time. Big old guy, bless his heart. And I think, he, I mean, he sounded cheerful when I talked to him yesterday. Yeah. But, you know, it's what it is. I, You know, I'm one of those... I guess weirdos. I've had four, five, you know, my, my, my jab and four boosters, but I've never had COVID. And I'm thinking, why not me? What's wrong with me? How come I don't get it? Well, yeah. Um, obviously, you're doing it right. You need to write a, a book wrong, about that. Or wrong. Well, I guess it depends on your you know, perspective, what, yeah, you're, well, what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, my worldview. You know, there's, there's, two, there's two ways of looking at everything. And both of them, as, as we mentioned last week, the glass is neither half empty nor half full. It's a wonderful vessel, and I shouldn't be oh, complaining. Okay. Yeah, that's very nice. I like that. <laughs> You can't go wrong if you look at it like that. Yeah, well, it's a a stoic perspective, you know. What a marvelous vessel. Yeah, it could use some more. It could be empty, though. So it could be. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we got a lot of stuff to to talk about, but I do hope folks give us a call because that's what we're here for. Got got plenty of things to yak about that uh, esoterica horticulture horticulture. Hort- uh, come up, need to come up with the word esoterica. Hort- you just come up with a new country right there. Uh, hort 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 Yeah, hort Yeah, yeah. It's kind of interesting, Jay. You know, you know, I, I'm I, I like. Word origins, you know, horticulture and gardening come from the same root word, gordos, of, you know, there. Yeah. And gordos became hortos, which came courtyard and courtyard culture. Wow. Yeah. But a gordos also became guarded or garden. So yard is slang wow. for garden, which is slang for guarded area, which is slang for courtyard. But it, it involves a, an, enclo- yeah, an enclosed space. So <laughs> all that for enclosed yeah. space. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you don't feel like that you're going into a special place, you know, it's not a garden, it's just a landscape. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Jay, this but is But different something. than a fenced in area. Yeah. You see a little, little fenced in area every fen- now and then. Fence, the root word of fence is fins, which is also a root word of defense. Okay. You know, it's, it's crazy stuff. Right? And it, it all makes sense? Yeah. Well, I tell you, I, I, get it, I, I don't get in arguments because I, I don't – it's not that I don't care that much. Stuff just doesn't matter. But right. there's an argument right now about – because I say autumn. We're in autumn. This is, uh, they say it, it's fall. Right. I'm thinking, okay, let's break this down here. Autumn comes from the Latin autumnus, mm-hmm. which is what it's for. But in the 1600s, a poet started waxing – as they do poetically, yeah, right. and they talk about the falling of leaves. And in America, autumn became fall to a point in the 1700s when that guy wrote the 
the, the English guy wrote the English dictionary of English words. He put fall in there as American Ooh. slang for autumn. Okay. So in America, it's fall. All right. So, uh, so fall is to autumn. Yes. Soccer is to football. Yeah. All right. Exactly. Got it. Exactly. As garden is to horticulture. There you go. There we go. Brought it back home. Yeah. Anyway, and I got some other stuff to talk about. I brought some show and tell as I usually do. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get a call this morning or, or next week, but the president of the Mississippi Native Plant Society is supposed to call in sometime. They got a big do coming up. All right. And I want to talk about that. But meanwhile, we got the lines open if anybody wants to talk about gardening. There you go. Gar- what about the big swap in Mobile? Oh, that was great. We yeah. went down there, a whole bunch of people. A lot of people had never been to it before. A lot yeah. of folks, uh, they were expecting me to be tall and smart. Because <laughs> they heard me it's on the radio. a little bit shorter and smart. You know, heard me on the radio. Uh, a, lot, a lot of folks there. Uh, I got a couple of plants and uh, that I'm going to share with some other folks. But um, one of the things that happened last week, Jay, is somebody called about persimmons. Yeah. Okay. I remember that. Well, I got on Mississippi Gardening on the Facebook thing. I said, what, what do y'all think? And the lady who called in, she wrote and said, I was the one who did that. You Interesting. Know, you know, long story short, I stopped by when I left the studio last week and got some persimmons, and I sliced some open. And I brought some today to slice in an experiment. Ooh, okay. Yeah. But uh, so far, the results are, you know, when you slice a, uh, a persimmon, when you cut it open, there's a seed in there. It looks like a big, fat pumpkin seed. Uh-huh. And you slice it lengthwise, and the embryo on it, the little shape of that's going to be the plant, yeah. if it's shaped like a, it's straight like a knife, it's most mean a really cutting, biting cold winter. If it's shaped like a fork, it's going to be mild, uh-huh. you know, fluffy. Shaped like a spoon, it's supposed to be snow to shovel. Okay. Okay, well. Yeah, I was fascinated by that last week. Because well, I, I never knew all that. Well, we had people from Tennessee to Alabama, the Gulf Coast, all the way up into the to hinterlands, Slicing them open, and eighty-three percent found a spoon. Ooh. All right, eighty-three percent. And so that's the milder one. Uh, shoveling snow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, the fork was the milder one. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Well, I've got some here, and I'm I'm thinking we're going to do a live in studio experiment. Well, you know, so far I'm liking. I, I'd like to go with what the people say. Uh huh. And I'm afraid if I cut one of these things, it'll be counter. Right. And I don't want to come across an authority. You're be part of the seventeen percent. <laughs> Yeah. I just don't know if I want to do that or not. I tot- you are totally one of the 17% Felder. That's you, totally you. Think no, so? I'm just you think totally. So? Yeah. Well, anyway, we, we, <laughs> we got them, and we've got, uh, we got, I got some um, autumnal fall, faultum leaves to talk about, and also a really cool shrub that's blooming along the roadside. I'm getting a lot of questions about and And uh, like I said, we'd be glad to talk about all that stuff, but I think we got a caller right now. I'm not sure if Peg, if, if it's, if Peg from Mandeville, Louisiana. Hey, Peg, good morning. Hi, Felder. It's Peg. Howdy. I saw you at the wonderful gardening seminar recently. Me and P. Allen Smith. Me and P. Allen Smith talk, and and of course, uh, of course, uh, Dan Gill. It was, it was terrific. First, I had to tell you that. Thank you. It really was. Um, you and I need another book because I've already passed mine along. <laughs> okay. Well good. Well what you got going on today? Well, it's not what I got going on. I've always wondered because I've heard this term for years about English landscapes and the ha ha. Yeah. And I don't know how that originated. You know I know the, what it is. 
I don't know. That's a good question. I, 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 I know what it is. I have one in my garden, believe it or not. I've got a uh, – I've, I've photographed them all over Europe, and we had them here in the North America too. But I, I'm going to I'm have to look that one up. It's a, I have no idea what the, where the word originated. It just seems like such a weird thing to say. Yeah, it is. Well, okay. Now, I know what it is. You t- you t- listeners may not know what a ha-ha is, so you tell us what you, what, what, what you call it. Well, what I, what I think it is is when you're looking out on the beautiful, vast landscape from the manor and you have cattle out there, you don't want the cattle to be near the manor because they will do what cattle do, and you won't be able to walk around your garden. So they dig these trenches that kind of are at an angle, and so the cattle... And they have a um, vertical wall, so the cattle will mosey down, but then they can't climb up the wall, so they stay out far away from the house. That's pretty much what it is. People looking out from the house, they, they want to look across the countryside, and, but they want to keep the, the cattle out there, not in their lawn. So they di- they, basically they dig a ditch, and it's straight down on the house side, but it slopes back up towards the field on the cattle side. So they can get down in the ditch and get back out, but they can't get up the wall to get into the yard. So basically it's a, it's a, a, a steep ditch to keep the cattle out of the yard. But it seems like such an odd thing to call it a ha-ha unless it's a joke on the cattle. <laughs> Oops, pardon me. I just did onomatopoeia there, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> you did too. We, we, we need to stop this now. <laughs> thank, okay. thank you, Peg. <laughs> okay. okay, Jay, how does this stuff happen? How does it happen? I don't know. That was great, though, because you said it just as I was thinking about it. When you laughed, I was like, ha-ha, yeah. And then she laughed. I was like, ha-ha, again. There we go. Yeah, well, I'm going to have to look it up. Anyway, basically, it is a ditch on that's straight down from your side. So if you walk up to it, you can actually fall in it. You know, it's like four or five feet deep. Okay. But then it slopes back up towards the field, so that, so so you can't see the it's a it's a, a basically a, a ditch that you can't. So you can, the cattle look like they're grazing in the yard, but they can't quite get into the yard. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's go to uh, to Raleigh. Joe, how are you this morning? Hey. Good morning. Uh, I have a question about a couple of spots in the front yard for ground cover. We had a water main break next mm. to the ditch, so they dug that up. So I have a twenty by twenty bare spot. I'm wondering what would be good to put on that. And the other side is on the south side of the house under a water oak we used to park our car there so it's packed very shady and it's being compacted yeah wondering what might work there well um you know there's there's several plants that'll do in both places asiatic jasmine comes to mind a lot of people say oh you don't want that because it's weedy no you just dig a little ditch around it it stays perfectly intact but asiatic jasmine is really durable it'll grow in miserable conditions sun or shade dry or not um, you can you can get it once you get it started. It does it spreads and thickens up. You can trim it if you want to, like with a string trim or something. But that's one of the the, the most durable stuff. You know the thing that'll grow. You know ivy will grow in the shade. Monkey grass will grow in the shade. There's some other stuff, but that's probably the the most durable plant you can put out there. Uh, the other alternative is just not put anything out there. Uh, you know under the shade and and just let it be part of the landscape. And maybe if you've got grass that goes towards it. Make a little ditch and said, "Here's where the grass stops, and here's where the grass is not, and just let the leaves fall under there." 
you know, they, there's a lot of botanic gardens, a lot of older home gardens. They actually accentuate the area. They make it a distinct area from the lawn, and it looks kind of neat. So, you know, that's an alternative. You can also get this stuff that's called grasscrete. It's a different kinds of different, you know, the kind of creative plant. This stuff is kind of a, a big mesh you lay on the ground. You can fill it with gravel, and you can actually park on it. But anyway, there's a lot of alternative. There's not a lot of plants, I guess what I'm saying. Asiatic jasmine would be my first choice. And, okay, and it's, well, it's, it's, it's not ideal, but it works. Okay, well, thank you very much. Now, will it... Um come up pretty quick now because the no no not much going to grow this time of year not it's, much. Uh, the one where the water main broke it's on the edge of the ditch so there's a, a bit of a slope there and i was thinking something pretty quick to, it's not going to be anything really this time of year uh w- w- something you could put you know i don't know if we're going to get we're supposed to get rain tomorrow and that would moisten yeah. the soil. You could throw some crimson clover seed or some ryegrass seed or even a combination of crimson clover like ryegrass seed out there in that area. And if the soil is moist, especially if you can, if you, if you can get a hose at a recent, just wet it down lightly once a day for, for three or four days, it, it'll come up and it'll be nice and green over the wintertime. And it'll actually help loosen up the soil over the wintertime so that next spring, if you want to plant something, you've already got, you know, the roots going out of the dirt have already dug your holes for you. But uh, crimson clover or ryegrass would be probably your, your most efficient over the wintertime to, if you can get started pretty soon if the ground is moist. Oh, the ground's plenty moist after the water main yeah. burst. Well, you know, just okay. think, think, think crimson clover or ryegrass, one of those two. Okay, well, thank you so much. All right, appreciate your call. Thank you. I looked up ha-ha. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've come up with so many different possible origins of the word ha-ha, but most of them have to deal with it being half-ditch and half-wall. Half-ditch, half-wall. Yeah, uh, half and half, ha-ha. Huh. Okay. Huh. So half and half. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Uh, but also, it uh, it concealed ditch and wall surprise from the eye coming in and make one cry. Aha. Aha. I don't. That's that. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. sounds somewhat disputable. Yeah. Yeah. That second one. Anyway. Well, George Washington called it called it aha aha aha. So anyway, wait. Aha. Now it sounds like the rapping yeah, duke. Yeah, 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 yeah. The ha, the ha. Yeah, right. <laughs> Unless somebody has something to add to this, I'm so confused. I'm actually taking my glasses off. Okay, let's go, let's go down to Long Beach of the Gulf Coast. Hey, Gail, how are you this morning? I'm good. So I have a question for you. Well, I have a problem. I'm hoping you can help me with Um I um, have a great site for my daughter. And where the site is, is in a, um area that they said they were going to put sod down, but then they decided not to. So it's been six years, and there's red clay, red dirt, and I don't know what I can put over that to have a nice appearing site for her. Yeah. Well, and it, uh, there's pine trees all around, so I know about the asses and those guys. Yeah. So what can I put down? Well, there's for one thing, there, and this is in a regular cemetery, right? Yes, sir. 
Yeah. Uh, so they will have somewhere they will have some guidelines based on what you cannot do because the people who who who, who manage those who tend those, you know, have got to make sure that they're you know they don't interfere with their mowing and maintenance and also the overall aesthetic. Some people you know don't want a lot of. You, know, you go to Germany or to uh, to to, to uh, Latino countries, they are all wonderfully, beautifully landscaped. But here they just want just grass, and grass won't grow there. Uh, one of the things, you know, you could just, if nothing else, you could plant, you know what striped monkey grass is, plain old striped monkey grass? No. Yeah, you know, you could, you could put that on there, and it would stay nice and neat and orderly all year long. And then if you wanted to stick to some daffodil bulbs, and I know you, that, you know, that, that bloom in the spring or something else in there, but something that's permanent that would outline uh, the, the grave site that wouldn't require a lot of maintenance. And uh, right off the bat, clumps, neat, orderly, rectangle or, or, or solid with a stripe of monkey grass, that would do. You know, and, and f- that'll, that'll get you started. And it and it's, it's looks good immediately. It'll look good 100 years from now. So that would be one of my first choices. And it would fit in with everybody's, the aesthetics, the maintenance and, and all that. Plus, it would give you a starting place that you could add other stuff if you wanted to. You know, but if nothing else, just outline it with something that's going to stay in a nice, neat, orderly clump, and striped monkey grass does. There's a green one that doesn't spread also. Two kinds of monkey grass. One spreads, one stays in a clump. Uh, they have a solid green clump kind also. So, you know, that would be what I would start with. Okay, so that will take into this red clay? Oh, yeah, yeah. You just yeah, lightly work it up. Take the stuff out of the pot, loosen up its roots, sit on top of the ground, screw it in a little bit, and throw some mulch around, it, and it'll grow. It'll grow. You don't even have to All really right. plant. You can plant it half in and half out of the ground, and it actually makes a big, it almost makes it like a little foot tall, rounded shrub. See, so if you if you lightly work up the soil, uh, take the the potting soil around the plants and work it in, and just put the stuff half in and half out of the soil and then cover it with bark mulch, it'll get established by spring and it'll be beautiful for, for decades. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, that, that would be a good starting point. Whether you do solid or just outline the, you know, the, the grave or however you want to do it, that'd be a good starting place. All right. Well, thank you. Okay. It's a very sensitive thing, and I'm glad I can help with it. Hope it works. I, I do, too. Thank you so much for your time. You know, Jay, I, uh, I actually photograph. I go to cemeteries all over the world. I've been to cemeteries in five continents, and, uh, and I look at what works and what doesn't. Matter of fact, I want to write a book on, called Plants Dead People Can Grow. <laughs> because you see them in cemeteries, and there's a lot of stuff, but yeah. there's constraints. And one is zero maintenance, got to stay neat. Nobody wants to, you know, spreading all over everybody else's stuff. So, yeah, anyway. that's the first thing I thought of. Yeah. Plant something that sprouts and takes off. Yeah, but but at the same time, it doesn't, you know, you want to keep it eat, neat and orderly. It's a, it's yeah. a, uh, not, the word's not respect. It's, um, there's a, there's a, you know, we want it to be not somber. Courteous. Yeah, courteous. Yeah. There you yeah. go. You don't want to be getting on everybody else's stuff, you know. Anyway, I'm still stuck on the ha-ha thing. But <laughs> let's, let's, go, let's go slide from the Gulf Coast all the way up to Memphis, Tennessee. Mike, how are you this morning? Oh, I'm great, Elder. How are you? So far, so good. What's up? Uh, mostly I wanted to give you a compliment on the greatest advice that you gave me all summer. Keep it clean. Pick your tomatoes. Pick your tomatoes when they first start to turn. Yeah. Now, don't wait for them to get big and red. 
squirrels. And I'm still getting tomatoes. Yeah, you know, I was I thought for a long time that tomatoes, once you pick them, that's all it gets. You know, there's climaractic and anticlimactic and all like that. And I thought tomatoes are kind of, as soon as you pick them, that's all. But it... I, I dug deep, and I found out that you pick a tomato, show it a little bit of color, and it actually does get sweeter and riper as well as softer and redder, that it's actually better to pick them before they get full ripe. And I had no idea, 40 years of, of horticulturing, and I just learned that this summer. I, and I did too, but I learned it from you. <laughs> and I, well, appreciate I just it. wanted to say that was the best advice all summer, and everybody ought to do it. I appreciate it. And I found an added benefit. If you pick them green, if you throw it at the neighbor's cast, you get better loft. Uh, okay, never, never, mind, never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind. What, what else can I help you with this morning? <laughs> I just wanted to compliment you. That was it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, living and learning, man. Hey, be, be, we, I'm going to break line here. We got a fellow from, from up in Starkville I want to talk to online, one a guy named Toby Gray. Toby, you with us? Yes, sir. All righty, man. I appreciate you calling, Toby. El Presidente of the Native Plant Society. How how's it going, yep. man? I was I was pre- uh, I was president that for I had I was president that for two times before I got kicked out because I like daffodils too. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Well, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's yeah. up? To, you know I'm going to mess with you because because you know you're 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 one of the top guys on native plants in the state you know known across the south and but you know I got to mess with you. <laughs> Because well, that's what we do. I mean, as far as as far as I'm concerned, you're always welcome uh, back at any of our any of our meetings. Um, you know, we we have uh, to, we, we're we're promoting native plants. We you know we advocate for native plants, and we do get um, it, with any kind of movement uh, the people that are against uh, non-natives. And 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 you know, you and I don't agree on everything about non-natives, but there are certain um, you know. Ecosystem busting uh, non-natives that yeah I, I know that you would, e- even uh, the most not har- recommend. well even the most hardcore native plant person going to have a they're going to have a yard out there and it's going to be mostly Asian grass and they're going to have they're going to have some daffodils come on you know In, anyway y'all got a big event yeah. coming up but before we get to that what is what in in North America what is a native plant. That's a great question, and and you know we have a uh, we do have a Facebook group too, and sort of in more of an informal group where we get a lot of questions about that. And there, you know, there's different. Uh, it's a, sort of a geographical question about how big you want to draw the boundary. But um, you know, for, for me personally, uh, I don't consider something native to uh, West Texas to be to be native to Mississippi. And so, as a as a state level society, we try to concentrate on just the, the flora. Of Mississippi, yeah, that makes um, sense. But uh, the, the short answer is, if it evolved here since the last ice age, if, it, if, it, if the plant has evolved along with the ecosystem that is growing in, um, without any human intervention or, or minimal, you know, minimal, you know, intervention yeah. from the Native Americans who, you know, the indigenous people who used fire on the land, and yeah. And it, yeah, I, I, I think for North America, I think basically anything before Europeans started bringing dragon stuff from all over the world before right, b- before right, before the right. 1500s. So in uh, and, 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 you know, I spent a lot of time in England and they were scoured clean 10,000 years ago by the Ice Age because their mountains go up and down. They were scoured completely clean. So everything that they've got. You know, it had to be brought to that little island. Whereas we here in North America, the 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 
the glacier just went as far as the Smokies. There's a lot of stuff in our part of the country that survived the ice ages. You know, that they don't have... There's plants we've had since before the Atlantic Ocean was formed. Yeah, I mean, there's plants out there Uh, that whatever killed the dinosaurs couldn't kill them. And I'm thinking horsetail comes to mind. But uh, anyway, uh, one other question I want to ask you, and and again, y'all have got a big, I think it's two weeks from your meeting is, but here's here's a question I've got. And and this is not a a loaded thing. I'm curious about it. I got a call, uh, uh, a question the other day on the Mississippi Garden Facebook about, they made a comment that Little Jim Magnolia, well, it's really not a native. And I'm thinking Little Jim is a Southern Magnolia. It was bred in 1950s, but it's genetically, are cultivars considered native? That's another thing that there's a lot of um, discussion about right now, and especially with, uh, if you're familiar with, um, uh, excuse me a second there, i got a lawnmower going by me, um, with Doug Tallamy's books about pollinator-friendly plants. Right. That sort of thing. Now, so it is um, genus and species, the, the binomial you know, classification system that we use for um, for plants. Uh-huh. Uh, the little, little gem is Magnolia grandiflora. So it's, you know, it's, Ge- genetically, um, it's, it's a native. A yeah, yeah, it's a it's it's a clone of a native plant, and so if you want to call it a native plant, that's fine with me. It's you know it is, uh, but they're genetically all of the little gems that you plant are genetically identical. Yeah, so you're it, not it, creating a lot of diversity if you plant a hedge of these, and then there's another one down the street by the bank, and then they're all over the. You know, it, it's not going to come true. It's not going to Yeah, not going to come true to seed though. Right, and also. The, those those um, broadleaf evergreen magnolias are a little bit. Uh, they do sort of appear in forests, and they, you know they they do germinate from seed, um, and they show up in places where they're not supposed to be ecologically. And so yeah. that would be yeah. a situation where you might say, well, this is here because of human intervention, because it's a very popular landscape plant. Um, then it's uh, but it's actually more native to the coastal areas You're of right, the state, right. and not. So typically, it's not naturally occurring. So there's some wiggle room there. Right, right. And everybody gardens with a different style. And you know that you have a style. I've got a, and you know, and um, you and I both want to promote uh, plants and gardening in general as much as possible. So, uh, but you know, some some people are pretty hardcore about how small a circle they'll draw. They'll say, you know, I don't want anything from, say, five counties over. You know, I want stuff. Or I want it to be specific to my particular yeah. Let, uh, let's let's habitat. let's hope they don't have blue eyes because they're not from around here either. Listen, we kind of got we could talk for hours about this, but y'all got a, a, a your your annual meeting coming up in is it two weeks? From, is it not next weekend's weekend or is it when Native Plant Society meeting? When and where? Having a meeting. We are having a meeting in um, on Saturday, November nineteenth mm. at Clark Coast State Park. Okay, where can folks get information? You're gonna have somebody giving a talk and then wander around in the woods looking at stuff, right? Exactly. We have three really nice talks planned. We've got um, uh, one person um, that's going to be talking about uh, host plants, uh, moths, butterflies, and the plants that uh, what plants use the nectar and and actually use the plants for food and habitat. Right. Um, that's the kind of a popular topic right now. And uh, Gail Barton, you probably are familiar with her. She's been a long time. Gail and I went. Gail and I went. We went to college together. I've known Gail for forty something years. She's going to be. She'll be talking about propagating plants, how to 
how to get more plants from the plants that you have. She's tops. Who else? And uh, and we have a, uh, some ladies from Mississippi. I'm not from Mississippi, from Louisiana, that if they have set up a habitat certification program in Louisiana. Yeah. Uh, their names are Phyllis Griffard and Tammy Baumgarten, yeah. and they're going to be uh, giving us some advice on how we can do the same thing in, in Mississippi. Cool, to, uh, cool, cool, cool. To set up some sort of habitat certification program. And people get information about this from from the website, right? Uh, well, we our our website is MississippiNativePlantSociety.org. Gotcha. If they want information about next two weeks from today, um, t- tomorrow, the meeting, is that going to be on the website? Is that the best place to get the info? I don't think that's been updated on the website right now, but you can also go to, if you go to Facebook, you can um, go to our Native Plant Society group, and I'll I'll repost the um, flyer for that, and I'll check with our web person to make sure that we get it updated on the website. Sounds good. Be sure to send something to the Mississippi, to the Mississippi Gardening Facebook, too, because we get a lot of followers there, and then I can I can, I can get the information and spread it from there. So, anyway, I that's appreciate a, That's a good idea. All righty, man. Listen, Toby, we, we got. We, we, I appreciate you calling, man. Look forward to uh, this. Is always an interesting group of people. I'm saying interesting. That's in caps and italics. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah we, it's a really great uh, opportunity to join the society and to. Um, and we do a lot of things throughout the year. Um, so la- field la- trips, nature walks. Okay, right I have a plant in my hand here. I'm getting a lot of questions, a lot of comments about. And that's this cool plant that's called Eastern Baccarus. What's the folk name for Eastern Baccarus? Groundsel? That's it. Tree? Boom. <laughs> Boom. You're the man, Toby. Thank you for your call, man. Look forward to it. I hope you all have a good turnout. See you, man. That was Toby Gray. He's president of Mississippi Native Plant Society. They're having a meeting, not this Saturday, but uh, two Saturdays from now, at Clark Co. State Park. He put my guy on the spot, and he hit a home run. He did. You know, I mean, I love him to death, but, you know, sometimes you get folks who are really into something, and they don't speak normal stuff. Yeah. You know, Eastern Backer, oil is Backerus halimifolia, but groundsel. It's that plant that they're shrubs. They're white or they're green along the roadside right now. Big, pretty fluffy shrubs called Eastern Backers. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and uh, we're going to slide over to Meridian, talk with Angela. Hey, Angela, good morning. Good morning, Felder. Howdy. Hi. Um, I wanted to comment on your fall, uh, fall autumn debate. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, there's a there's a YouTube YouTuber named Lawrence Brown, and he's from England, and but he's lived in America for the last 14 years, and his his site is called Lost in the Pond. Anyway, what? Lost in the Pond. Lost in the Pond. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he just did a thing about. Fall, autumn, Britain and America, and his uh, uh, lead into that was they would say the spring of the leaf and the fall of the leaf. So he said that's where spring and fall in America came huh. from. I didn't know that's where spring came from. Right, I didn't either. I thought that was very interesting. So, but he didn't say what they refer to as spring in Britain. So, do they say the same thing in Britain? Spring. Yes, they do. It's a bunch of hypocrites. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, but when I say fall over there, they look at me like I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I live over there half the year, and I, I say fall, right. they just look at me. What? You know, you need help up, mate? <laughs> right. Help up autumn, and I can't is, get up. <laughs> yes. The other um, debate I've had with my British friends is, um, you know, we have apple cider in the fall, and they're like, you mean like apple juice? So there's that whole cider, 
because they have hard cider yeah. and all that. Well, so anyway, there, there's something. Little... I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a cider. You know, one of my favorite, one of my favorite, what I call giggly drinks, is a particular type yes. of British apple cider, and it will make you giggly, but it's hard. I love cider. Yes, hard cider. I love it. Um, my, my mother's from upstate New York. Uh, in the Adirondack Mountains, where all the apple orchards are. Oh yeah, and yeah. there you can get hard cider as well as regular yeah. cider. I actually, so anyway. I actually drove up last last October, just a month, a year ago, last month to uh, to visit my friend Roger Swain. Used to be the he was the host of the Victory Garden to help him harvest oh, right. his apples. He was in New Hampshire, and um, had had a good time with that. But we can't grow apples like we can grow apples here, but not like they do up there. Right. Yes, I miss those orchards. But anyway, I just thought you might appreciate that trivia. I do appreciate that. I appreciate that. And uh, th- thanks, Jay. You need to talk while I come in there. I got to show you something. So, so you know, I'm a, I'm a take my headphones. I got to show right. you something. You're gonna come into this here studio. You're leaving the one studio, and you're gonna show me something here. <laughs> hey, fellow rushing y'all. All right. Split this thing open. Uh-huh. What, is that, what does that look like to you? Looks like a spoon. It's a spoon. All right, and that one means heavy Shovel snow, snow, shoveling snow. All right, so the fork meant spring, and the knife meant bad winter, and then the spoon is shoveling snow. I don't know what the difference is between, like, blitzing winter and shoveling snow, but... Uh. <laughs> I got... I got, I got persimmon goo all over the headphones <laughs> Who, who's coming in after me me oh <laughs> thanks man you got something on your ear there right yeah anyway no i just i just split <laughs> a persimmon open with my with my pruning shears and it is definitely a spoon all right so you're not you're you're with the 83 percent now or you that know, persimmon is anyway well let's how do those things taste Aren't people talking about eating those things? I've never had one. Never heard anybody talk about eating one before. Persimmon is is what it is a, a major fruit in in Asia. Uh-huh. I mean, you you know, I've gone to Japan and and in the fall they all have these look like a clothes hang a little round clothes hanger with clips on them. Yeah, where they're drying their persimmons to eat them. They're uh, it's it's hard to it's hard to explain what it tastes like. It's not like a pear and apple or plum or you know it's yeah. one of those kind of gooey mm-hmm. kind of interesting flavor. Yeah, interestingly, the native uh, persimmons out there, our wild ones, they're separate male and female trees. So if you got persimmons, it's because you got a female tree and there's a male nearby throwing pollen its way. Yeah, you can't just plant a persimmon from seed and get persimmons. But uh, there's some Japanese uh, type persimmons that make they're they're you can't put your hand around. They're almost the size of a, of a baseball. And uh, wow. and they're they're big. They're beautiful. They're orange. You can paint little. Uh, Pumpkin faces on them in yeah. the yard, but they're beautiful trees, and you can eat them right off the plant, just like just like eating a plum. Wow. Okay. But uh, anyway, persimmons are seriously overlooked as a home fruit here because we think they're they, they're astringent; they turn your mouth inside out. That's but once they get ripe, they lose that astringency. Okay. So anyway, very interesting. More than we need to know, but oh no, I asked. It's my fault. A week ago, it was a uh, when I cut it, it was a spoon. This week, it's a spoon. Eighty-three percent of the people in Mississippi gardening Facebook say spoon, so I'm gonna say we're supposed to get some snow this winter. Okay, we'll see. I guess it's official now. Are well, you, it's uh, it's uh, we can go ahead and put it on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. About as official well, as it gets, right? Well, we can get back to doing what we're supposed to be doing. That's talking to folks about their yards. We can slide up to Hattiesburg and see what Michael's up to. Michael, how are you, man? I'm doing well, Felder. I hope you're doing well, and good morning to y'all. Thank you, sir. What's up? I've got a couple 
questions. Uh, first, when should I cut back my monkey grass? Okay, uh, monkey grass puts of all of its growth just in the spring. So if you cut it in the summer or the fall or the winter, you got nothing till next spring. Uh, so it, but so if you're gonna cut it, I would cut it before it puts up new growth in the spring, so the new growth in the spring comes up nice and clean. You can do it now, but you're not gonna have anything to look at till next right. year. Uh, so if you're just trying to neaten up, there's no problem. But the the only real problem with cutting monkey grass is if you cut it while it's putting its new growth up in the spring, you cut that new growth, you got nothing for a whole year. So the main thing right. is, is uh, in general, cut it before it puts new growth up in the spring, and that can be any time of the year. Like January, February, something like that. Yeah, you can do it now if you want to. It's just gonna, that, but but when you get through cutting it, that's what you got to look at till next spring. So yeah. you know, if you don't okay. mind, if you don't mind looking at that, you can go for it this weekend. Okay, gotcha. And the other question is, my wife has got regular hydrangeas, and she's got something called lace leaf hydrangeas. When should we cut those back? Okay, hydrangeas bloom in the spring and early summer what grows off of this year's growth. So what most people do with hydrangeas is in the wintertime when they see what they're doing, they'll go in and they'll cut the tall stuff back sometime in the winter by cutting down into the plant. Don't just cut it straight across because the new growth will come across. New growth comes out right where you make the cut. So reach down in the plant and cut some of the taller stems just here and there, kind of thin them out. And anything that's left, if you want to prune it back, cut it back just a little ways. Always leave, gotcha. always leave some of this year's growth so that what comes off of it next year will have flowers. But, you know, you can thin out the tall stuff now if you want to. We're close enough to fall to where if you just want to neaten them up, go for it. But I wouldn't do overall pruning till winter. And the lace leaf can be cut same time as the regular? Yeah, lace, lace cap. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. The, the main thing is leave some stubs of 2022 if you want flowers in 2023. Gotcha. Very good. Well, thank you for all your advice. I really appreciate it when you're answering all kinds of good questions. Nothing to it, man. Appreciate it. I was going to take a picture of this persimmon, Jay, but the spoon is faded. Uh-oh. It's faded. Are we changing our mind? No, no, no. It's still a spoon shape, but it's not that. It's not you know nice and bright like it was when I showed it to you. Okay. Uh, I was going to take a picture of it. Oh, well. well. You got that other one, right? Did you have a couple? I'm afraid to cut it because it might not be a spoon. Right. <laughs> and I don't oh. want to be conflicted this first thing in the morning. Right, I know. <laughs> let's stop while we're ahead. <laughs> let's slide back down to the Ocean Springs of the coast. Hey, Hugh, good morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I have an, I have an Althea that uh, bloomed, you know, over the summer, and then it made seed pods at the end, and this is the first time I've had one that does that. And so I like to think usually I've made – cuttings off the plants to grow another plant. Yeah. So they germinate and make a plant. Well, yeah, they can. As a matter of fact, the old-fashioned Althea's, which a lot of people, by the way, they call it Rose of Sharon, but it's a it's a, yeah. a, a good, dependable hibiscus shrub. It's hardy, cold-hardy into Canada. Um, a lot of the old-fashioned kinds, they, they, they sprout from seeds so much that they're considered kind of nuisance that they seed around and pop up in other places. It's, it has the same kind of seed as, as a okra or or, uh, or you know, it's, it's that kind of seed, a little hard seed. So once those seed pods sort of dry and split open, you can shake the seeds out. And uh, if you want to try growing some from seed, you can't. The trouble is, though, is this thing called seedling diversity. You know, just like a got a big family, got the same parents, same food, same house, same everything, but some of the kids are brighter than others. Same thing with, wild, with, with Althea's from seeds. So it's going to be... 
Yeah, it's going to be luck of the draw what quality it's going to be, the flower. Yeah. But no, you can grow them from seed. It's it's quicker from cuttings. And another reason is when you grow something from a seed, uh, woody plants like shrubs and trees, they go through a juvenile phase before they reach maturing uh, enough to flower. See, so it might be four, five, six years before it starts to flower before you find out whether it's worth growing or not. Whereas a cutting is made from mature wood, it'll bloom the next year and it's faster. Yeah. This is just the first time I've seen the seed pods on the plants, and I thought, hmm. Like I said, all the ones I have have come from cuttings. Yeah, yeah. No, I picked up three new varieties. I was in a, giving a, a lecture in Texas uh, uh, back a, a month or so ago, and I picked up three varieties because it's a cool plant. It's going to be an alternative for crepe myrtles because there's, there's a lot of variety, different kinds of shapes and colors of flowers. And uh, the ones that I brought up from Texas, they've all got seed pods, but I'm going to cut them off. Ain't got time oh. for it. Ain't got time for seeds. Oh. <laughs> all right. Okay. Appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah? All right, thanks. Okay, Bye. Hugh. All right, and now slide up to Belzona, to Heart of the Delta. Mark, what's going on, man? Hey, Felder. Yes, sir. Uh, actually, I called in with one question, but I actually have two questions now. Let me give you the first one. The first one is I got a, a cottonwood tree that has grown faster than anything I've ever seen. It's about 12 uh, feet tall. And it's not even a year old. How do I move that thing? It's got branches on it that uh, I want to transplant. I want to move it somewhere else. It's got branches on it at the bottom. They're probably three, I don't know, maybe three three feet sticking out. Yeah. You know? But the tree itself in <laughs> diameter is probably two inches in diameter or something like that. Yeah. Can I move that? You can. Matter of fact, I got started out in horticulture, actually working for a nursery up in Indianola, just north of you, that grew trees in fields. And we would, we would grow, you know, we start them in, in pots, we plant them in the fields, and then come back later and dig them up, sometimes with a machine, but often by hand, you know, digging them out. And then we, you know, all, all the trees on campus at, uh, at, 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 uh, at Valley State, I, pl- I helped plant those. We grew them. We dug them out of fields. So you can dig them. But here's the deal, though. When you're digging a tree, you can't really, I can't pick up a root ball that's, that's much bigger than a, a basket, a little bit bigger than a basketball without it breaking. And if the root ball breaks, the tree's likely to die. It's got a good chance of not surviving. So you can't really get a big root ball without breaking it. And the bigger the tree, the more roots you leave behind when you dig it. See, so, you know, those those trees got roots growing Every which way they, you know, stick your arms out, wiggle your fingers, and you're basically just digging it at the shoulders. So uh, a big tree is going to be hard to move. What I, here's what I would do, and I've moved countless trees. Take your shovel and go out about oh a foot or so out from the trunk and cut straight down all the way around it. Crunch all those roots straight down. And then go outside that and make a second cut outside the first one all the way around and then dig the dirt out between the two. Make a trench around so the root ball is standing up in a little ditch. Then take your shovel at an angle and cut it up under there all the way around so that you end up with a ball of dirt and roots standing up in a, in a, in a ditch. And then you can move it. But uh, anyway, oh, okay. anyway, I would also cut some of the branches, some of those limbs. You know, you're not going to want uh, cottonwood limbs down to the ground five years from now. So what I would do is I would cut some of those off and make it easier to dig, and it takes some of the, the workload off the tree next year because you left so many roots behind. What about the top? 
Do you trim anything off the top? I wouldn't, you know, since you want it to be a tree. The main thing is thin out some of the some of the limbs. You know, don't leave stubs. Whatever's growing off the trunk, cut them off flush. Right. And then the ones that are left, you know, leave a few that are well-spaced. The ones that are left, cut some of the branches off of those. But leave that natural tree shape. It'll do better. Okay. Okay. It, it, right. it, I will try that. It's not hard. It's not hard to do, but it's tricky. And like I say, I always dig two ditch. I dig a ditch around it before I cut up under it, and you cut all the roots all the way around before you try to move it, or else that root ball will break. Well, uh, I think I, I got a scoop on the back of my tractor. Oh, so yeah. Just dig the hole where it's going first. So you got a right. scoop shaped hole. Then, then you just scoop it up, move it over, and sit right. down the hole, yeah. and then prune it and walk away from okay. it. Now, what about that tap root? Does it go down real far? A tap root only, you know, if you grow a plant from a seed, you know, then it's going to have a tap root the first year or two, and then it tapers off. That tap root is to get the plant anchored right at first. Ah, but after the first okay. year or so, the tap root, you know, it's not anything to worry about. It's the side roots that do all the work for a plant. Once it gets a, so the tap root is that first year or two thing. I wouldn't worry about yeah. that at all. If you grow a plant from a cutting, it never has a tap root. So that's just, okay. you know, you know when a seed sprouts, that first little root that comes out? That's yep, gonna be that's yep. gonna be the tap root, and it gets it gets it anchored, and then the side roots from then on do the work. Tap root disappears. You're the man. I gotta tell you this though, Phil. You, you guys have been talking about persimmon. Yep. I actually have I actually have like about four persimmon trees, right? Yeah. I have persimmon every year, but I can never eat them off the tree. No, they're, they're turning inside out. They will pucker you right, up. Right. 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 But you said something the other week, and you also repeated today. If you just let the persimmon sit out for a while, uh, they'll turn sweet. Yep. Well, same thing with sweet. That's the same thing with sweet potatoes. You know, you dig a sweet potato, you cannot eat that thing. But if you let it cure for a couple of weeks, it gets sweeter. The the carbohydrates turn to starch. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I got one other. I got one other something for you. Do you know the name for these persimmons? You know, the, the ones here, I call them native persimmons. They just grow, you know, they have maybe three to seven seeds in them. They're real small. Do you know the name for them? Well, you have, they because have. I am. Now, persimmon only has one seed. You're, you're testing me here, aren't you? No, these persimmons actually have. I'm serious. It's got three to five, three to seven, maybe even eight seeds in it. It's small. It's persimmon. Huh. I'm going to have to do some research on that. You got me stumped. You said I was a man, and then you turned right around and stumped me? Oh, What's the matter with you? Now, and I just want to know, are, are they talking, when I look at all that nutritious value that these persimmons have, the ones I'm calling native persimmons, mm-hmm. uh, are they talking about those, or are they talking about the ones, the, the, the Asian persimmons? I don't know. You got me confused now. You got the man confused. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. We had a caller didn't want to stay on the line, <laughs> but said that her persimmons are producing watermelon-looking seeds. Yeah, that's what they look to, like. Oh, I thought they were more like pumpkin Pumpkin and watermelon, same, same, the same family. Okay. Yeah. Well, I got to ask you this, uh, Mark. What do persimmons taste like to you? Hey, I have no idea. It's a, <laughs> it's a great taste. It I is. have no idea. You can't compare. It's like, you know, what, what you can't compare. Anyway, I appreciate your call, man. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, Jay. This is a rock and a rock, you know. It's a quick one. 
It was a quick one. It was a quick one. And I'm going to have to open this other persimmon up to see right. if I can get a picture of it because my first one faded for the photo. But Right. We were yeah. all planning for the snow. Yeah, we were getting our shovels out. We were rocking toward that's a, right. that's a snow right. shoveling holiday, but no. Well, I've enjoyed, somebody the other day wanted to know, who is that young man who was hosting? I'm thinking, young man, oh, God they're talking bless about Jay them. White. <laughs> God bless those people. Checks in the mail. Well, we think Java will be back in the studio next week. Meanwhile, yes, folks, it's going to be a beautiful weekend. Good chance of rain, at least in Jackson tomorrow. So uh, get ready to go out and blow your leaves ahead of time so things are nice and sparkly. If you get a chance, go to a farmer's market. Take a kid with you, a neighbor, anybody. Because it's really important to get out and us collectively do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See you all next week. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.